Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. So growing up, my family moved fairly often between two parents who were very career focused and a growing family. I have three younger brothers. We were always looking for somewhere else to call home. And despite this, I always had an innate sense of whatever house we were living in at the time being home. And part of this for me was that, of course, my people were where home was. My parents, my siblings, our cat, Nike, one of our 42 goldfish, that was home. But the other part was that whatever house we moved into always felt the same as the one before. If you were to have entered any of the homes I grew up in and crossed the threshold from the outside to the inside, you would have noticed one constant. Didn't matter if we were in Kualikum Beach on the island or in Kamloops in the interior of BC in Vancouver on the Sunshine Coast, wherever we had found home, there was one constant. Hung in the entryway was a giant pencil portrait of Jesus. And not surprising, considering my dad was a cleric, but the portrait itself was surprising for one reason. Head flung back, mouth agape, eyes crinkled. Jesus was laughing. This print, white Jesus, I know, I know, this print greeted you no matter, no matter who you were, as if to say, welcome home. God delights in you. It summed up every value that my parents had tried to instill in us, every rule our house had, every expectation and every dream that we would know love and know it as an abundant way of being in the world, that we would be real and that we would be accepted as such, that we would have faith and that we would have it joyfully. And this portrait reminded me, coming in or going out, sneaking in or sneaking out, (laughs) that I was cherished. And if I chose to sneak in or out a window and avoid it completely, that was on me. The turning away from God, right? God doesn't do that to us, we do that to God. I imagine that every one of you has a memory of what walking into your childhood home was like. And some of these will be really joyful, and some of you, that might not be what home was. But the first thing you heard, or the first thing you saw, maybe you lived in a live, laugh, love house. There were words strewn across every surface that had expectation and blessing for you. Maybe there were rules, take off your shoes, hang your coat, wash your hands. That's a way of entering in. Maybe in your childhood home, there was a sense of overwhelming anxiety when you walked through that door. You didn't know what you would find. You didn't know who you would encounter. But whatever it was, when the door opened and you entered in to your home, 
a change greeted you. You were no longer on the outside. For better or for worse, you were now a part of something. This invitation to enter in, to come and see, is a deeply biblical one. Early in the book of John, the disciples ask Jesus at one point where he's staying. They were trying to get a sense as to who he was. I know for, for some of you, you've had this experience maybe with a teacher, maybe with a pastor. You meet someone and you want to see their home. That's the real them. It's intimate. You get an inside look. The disciples ask Jesus, where are you staying? Wanting to know more about him. And instead of telling him all about the Airbnb... He said, come and see. Let me show you. Now, depending on how you choose to read our biblical texts, you can take away the idea that this is a book filled with instructions for you to follow. If this, then that. But today, I want to encourage you to do away with that idea entirely and instead view our scripture, not as instructional, but as invitational. Come and see. This book is not a book that instructs us all the way to heaven. Do this, do this, do this. Ah, no, that's not, that's not what this book is. This is a book of invitation, inviting us to experience heaven here. What does that mean for you? Heaven, home, what does that mean for you here? How we receive that invitation and how we extend it to ourselves and to one another is the work of a lifetime and the place it starts is at that threshold of the house when the door opens and we actually have an opportunity to enter in. So whatever your experience has been on the other side of that door in the past, today I want you to hear a new invitation. As an honored guest, every one of you, you are welcome here. We warmed you up this morning. I got you to say welcome to one another. Here's your second opportunity. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say to them, look them in the eye. That might be the most challenging part as we heard yesterday or last Sunday. Look them in the eye and say, you are an honored guest. You are an honored guest. Greg, you are an honored guest. <laughs> Amanda, you are an honored guest. You are an honored guest. Thank you. Now the question is, do you believe it? That's the hard question. Thank you. You are each an honored guest here in this place and in the world. In our scripture passage today, Jesus is offering wisdom to the disciples who will be going ahead of him into all of the nations 
to share the stories of their faith, the things they have been taught, the things they have been invited into. And Jesus himself knows all too well how challenging it is to find a home away from home. He himself was just turned away in a couple chapters earlier from a Samaritan village. And so he gives the disciples some advice, an invitation to enter in for all of us if we are courageous enough to accept it. And we won't always be, but that's the invitation. And this is an invitation for us to be received ourselves. I don't know what's more difficult for you to receive the other as an honored guest or to be received as one. I struggle with both. But our passage today offers wisdom for each of those things. And I think that it's wisdom the world desperately needs right now. Whatever house you enter, Jesus says, first say peace to this house. I want to imagine how different our conversations might be with a stranger if we blessed each encounter with peace ahead of time. Whatever person, whatever relationship, whatever circumstance, whatever opinion or perception or judgment we have to begin with a prayer. May there be peace here. I think about the protests this past Wednesday and the counter protests. I think about the pain to the LGBTQ plus community and the way that the groups of protesters and counter protesters were separated. Some by faith, some by political ideology, but quite physically by street and police. I think about the city council meeting where the speakers last week offered testimony to the housing crisis and the councillors were separated by the thick glass and the security guards in the room. I think about the way we hide behind our internet handles. We hide behind our big black doors. We hide behind the curtains on our windows. These are all precautions we have put in place for a very good reason. And still I wonder what it would look like to bless those entryways. Not change them, but bless those entryways, those thresholds with peace. Not agreement or concession, but peace that passes all understanding and makes way for the hard conversations and relationships to build. I am as guilty as the next person in projecting my fears onto a conversation or situation long before it happens. I've had four dreams about it, written out six scripts, and I've made an assumption about what you are going to say. Yes, I do that before I email you back too. <laughs> and while that might be the right training for an astronaut or a submarine driver or a soldier, it is not how Christ equips us to go into the world. Christ equips us first with a prayer for peace, not an assumption of peace but a prayer. 
peace to this house. Sometimes you do it with that level of exasperation. Sometimes it feels easy. Sometimes it feels flippant. Sometimes it is the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. But peace be to this house, to this conversation, to this relationship. Jesus then tells his disciples to remain. Oh, why? Remain in that same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide. When we enter into a conversation or a relationship, we are called to stay there until the work is done. I look at those of you actively participating in that generational work of reconciliation. Generational work. Lifetimes spent. Lifetimes of hurt. I look at you fighting for 40 years or more for climate justice, for a planet that could heal, that could be treated a little bit better. I look at you fighting desperately for those you love who are in the throes of addiction. These are fights. These are conversations. These are journeys. These are relationships that last a lifetime. And despite the setbacks or the discouraging moments, you have chosen to remain an honored guest in the practice of hospitality and love, however, however hard. Where are you honored to remain? Your answer might be different than mine, but you have a place. However hard it gets, however much it hurts, that you are honored to remain. Stay there. Finally, Jesus tells his followers to say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. If ever there was a time, there's always a time, but if ever there was a time to substitute our beloved United Church word kingdom, it is here. The kingdom, the family of God has come near to you. This is how we are to treat one another, with a blessing of peace, no matter how fraught our connection, and with courageous commitment. And it's hard, those words Anne said up here earlier, those are not easy words. This is scary. This is our invitation to experience Heaven, the kingdom, the kingdom, this place right here, fully. This is how we enter into the house of God. And of course, our scripture, being what scripture is, this ever-living, breathing thing, it says more than it actually says. With every line and with every passage, there is another story. We have the wisdom here 
how to receive as well. We might not always be the one with the peace offering. That's just reality. But we can learn how to receive it, how to welcome it. Penny Elsley is the founder of an Australian nonprofit that connects new people in the country, Australia, with those who are born there. And she tells a story in her TED talk about just how powerful this form of simple, simple receptivity can be. So I invite you to just listen to this for 60 seconds. My life was transformed by a single word spoken by a stranger. Here I was at 28 years of age in the slums of Mumbai, India. I've been making my way along the edge of a drain, trying my hardest not to fall into the green slime that lay beneath me. When all of a sudden, my ears were drawn to the sound of a woman calling out, welcome. As I turned my head, she spoke again. Welcome, she said, with a beaming smile on her face. I smiled back, and I began to look around me. Here along this drain I'd been following were pieces of tin and cardboard boxes shaped into shelters as far as the eye could see. And there amidst the endless streams of dumped rubbish and its inescapable stench, a cardboard box was what this woman called home. And despite all this, she reached out to me and I was no longer a stranger in a foreign place, but a welcome guest, a single word and a smile uniting us in our common humanity. That encounter was the moment in time between my old life and my new life and nothing has ever been the same. I know for a fact that every one of you in this room has had an experience of welcome that could rival that one. She went on to start a nonprofit that connects people over what are called welcome dinners. And if you are looking for a way to turn this one word, any word that means something to you into activism, I highly recommend watching that TED Talk. But the word is simple. Welcome. Not hi, not hey, not but welcome. It takes a second longer to say. Come and see. Bear witness to the holy in this place. Now, my Sunday confession of the day, because you know I always have to have one, is that I do not fancy myself much of a host. I'm actually not sure how many times I've said welcome in my life, but I can probably count it. In fact, last week, when two weeks ago maybe, when I was chatting with my pew mate about our door colors, and John was giving us the psychological meaning behind the color of our doors, my pew mate asked me, what color is yours? And I said, black, and I like it that way. <laughs> but as someone called to follow the ways of Christ, 
who both reconciled and made new. I know I am called to use this one word to invite people in over the threshold of my comfort and my security and my convenience more often than not. And I have to tell you, in case you can't see it yourself, this community inspires me and invites me into this call every single day. Just this summer, our refugee ministry has sponsored a single woman from Afghanistan and a couple from Uganda seeking asylum, welcoming them into this country, into this community as beloved children of God. You have flung open your doors at the first ask for people fleeing forest fires, for all of those who are seeking homes as they have run from Ukraine. And if you think, like me, when I'm being unkind to myself, that you are not much of a welcomer either, I want to remind you that every single one of us today, even those of you who didn't feel fully present, every single one of us today welcomed an honored guest when we celebrated the baptism of Gray. We celebrated the joining of someone, someone precious into this community. Welcome whether you come or go or stay or take a break, whether you doubt or believe, welcome, welcome, welcome into this body of God's love. You did that. And that is who we are. We are a people who not only open the door, but who welcome one another all the way in, all the way. This portrait of the laughing Jesus that hung in my parents' place was a very provocative one. So provocative, in fact, that the sketch by artist Fred Berger was in fact only published in none other than Playboy magazine in 1969 under an article titled, For Christ's Sake. <laughs> yeah. In our scripture, we see Jesus display many human attributes. We watch him flip tables in the temple in anger. We watch him retreat in exasperation and grief. We watch him weep and we watch him bleed, but nowhere, nowhere in our scripture does it say that Jesus ever laughed. And yet, fully divine, fully human. He had to. Children flocked to him. What else did they flock to if not the sounds of genuine laughter? So it is provocative, this image. Jesus at his most human, unspokenly human. And in between the lines of where the text ends and our life enters it, we find ourselves invited into a different kind of relationship with God and with the world around us one of radical love, 
one in which Jesus is glad to receive us, every single one of us, as an honored guest, exactly as we are, with a hearty laugh, I like to imagine, and one word, welcome. Friends, the kingdom of God has drawn so, so near. May it be so. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.